FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to a special Secret Wars episode of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked? So is this like a bonus episode? I don't know. We'll see how long we go. It might be a b- 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 bonus episode or it may just be our regular weekly episode. So maybe it's like a mini skirt bonus episode? Maybe. Short enough to tease you, but <laughs> long enough to cover everything? <laughs> cover that ass. Yep. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see how uh, long-winded we are or short-winded. Well, you know, just give us five minutes and we banter back and forth. Yep. So anyway, this so is gonna anyway, be... <laughs> moving on. Screw your banter today. <laughs> if you if you call it banter, it loses its sheen. So anyway, we have all Secret Wars books this week, including the kickoff of Old Man Logan number one, which I've been pretty excited about. You have been. That's all you've talked about for a really long time. Yeah, for years. <laughs> You're such a dork. I'm... You've heard of one-trick ponies? I'm a one-track pony. <laughs> and, and it that, goes round and round <laughs> yeah. and round it goes. <laughs> Where it stops, Yeah. only Logan knows. Only, yeah, and really he doesn't either because he's dead. Yeah. But alternate versions know. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> the Clint Eastwood aliens versus cowboys version knows. <laughs> cowboys versus aliens. Say it right. I'm sorry. Don't dyslexic your... Movie reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so we have Old Man Logan. Then we have a uh, special Secret Wars correspondent for X-Men 92. Then we'll cover a couple of other very brief appearances. But really the meat of this episode. The, the shabam. The goodies. The wham. The what's that? What's that cloth? The wham chow? The chamois. Anyway, on this episode is Old Man Logan number one. And this is written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Andrea Sorrentino. Colors by Marcello Maiolo. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the cover is by Sorrentino and Maiolo. And on this cover, we have a very orangey-hued cover to represent the wastelands. Front and center, we have Old Man Logan. I can't tell if he's missing an eye. It looks like it. Is, it, is that convenient? Not convenient. Consistent through the whole thing? Yeah. Uh, is it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe. I thought he had two eyes through the whole thing. Oh, yeah, he does for sure. There's a number of panels where his eyes are in shadow. <laughs> well, he, maybe his That's, hat's tipped yeah. down like an Indiana Jones. Right. Anyway, behind Dr. him. Jones. <laughs> Dr. Jones! Dr. Jones! Behind him, we have a horse and some money and some guns and some buildings and some characters. Uh, what do you think of this cover? Okay, considering I didn't know anybody on the cover but Logan, I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I think it looks like a uh, cool movie poster. Yeah, I like how the $100 bills have skulls on them. Yeah, it's very morbid. It's the collapse of the American economy. Actually, there's several skulls throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and the issue as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, no, I like the cover quite a bit. It looks like it looks like Sorrentino's version of like an '80s movie poster. Yeah, it like does. the drawn ones, like the Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Last Starfighter, Adventures in Babysitting, what have you. But Last it's in his Crusade. style. Yeah, so I like it. All right, so 
I'll go ahead and give you the recap from the beginning of the book, just in case you have forgotten, or in some of the cases on this podcast, I've never read the original Old Man Logan. <coughs> Not <laughs> mentioning any names, Denise. Right. Oh, by the way, we're your oh, hosts, Jason way. and Denise Venable. Yeah. I don't think we ever said that. No, we didn't. <laughs> but you should know Because this now. was a miniskirt issue. If we were sure? only covering what we needed to. <laughs> right. And our names I, were not necessary. I forgot to let the names hang out. But <laughs> now I've, I've hiked it up a little bit so you can see my name thong. And our host are Jason and Denise. In case you're a first-time listener, anybody else should and know. And we're fully covered. Anyway, this is the world of Old Man Logan. All right. In a world. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just kidding. For 50 years, nobody knew what happened on the night the heroes fell and no one had seen hide nor hair of the man called Logan. Only that he had sworn never to unleash his claws or rage ever again. A man concerned only with protecting his family. But in truth, Logan was manipulated by Mysterio's... Mysterio's... Mysterio's illusions into killing all of his fellow X-Men. It destroyed. But when the Hulk and his gang killed Logan's wife and children, Logan rose again, just like Jesus. <laughs> on the third day. On the third claw. <laughs> Speaking of claws. Unsheathing his claws, he massacred the Hulk family, taking their sole surviving baby as his own. Oh, Adventures of Babysitting callback. <laughs> he swore never to turn his back on his duties as a hero again. That's a, weird, that's a weird sentence structure. Yeah. Shouldn't it be he swore never again to turn back? Are we really going to ba- copyright this? <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. I'm going to fix this. So this is how it should read. He swore never again to turn his back on his duties as a hero and set off to make the world right as only he can. I think you should um, turn your resume into Marvel so you can be a copy <laughs> editor. I should. So on our title page, we have a cool title page, and we see an old shield helicarrier crashed into a building in Vegas. And it's impaled, actually. Yeah. Or the building, I should say, is impaled. In New Vegas, which if you remember from the Old Man Logan series, that was one of the the cities that was still standing. Um, What happens in New Vegas? Stays in New Vegas, and most likely dies in New Vegas. But only on this dimension. Other dimensions? Eh. Forget so, about it. I like that there's a daredevil casino called the Flying Devils. I thought that was cool. Then Warpath is an MMA fighter. I thought that was cool. And by the way, so this old man Logan, this wasteland that Lo- old man Logan inhabits is now part of Battleworld, obviously. We're in Secret Wars now. Right. So that's what we're doing. So we start off with a poker game. I really love the first panel. It's just a single panel of a overhead light. Yeah. And it just looks really badass. Well, and it sets the tone. It does. And I'll comment more on this later. Or, you know, we'll just throw it out now. There's definitely kind of that weird color thing that Sorrentino does that I like and sometimes Denise likes. Sometimes she doesn't. Yeah, sometimes it gets me. But overall, this felt very cinematic to me. It did. Like, I felt like all the panels were like, you know what, there's like shots, and you see it through the camera, and it just yeah. felt, it felt like a movie. So we start off with the overhead light, and then we move to a poker table and hands, and uh, there's a guy in a daredevil mask. Actually, are there two? What's going there's on here? There's two of them. They're all, it's their uniform. In fact, yeah. Logan says when he interrupts the game, 
why do you wear this? Well, yeah, to the one guy, I thought that was the same guy because this guy has no mask later. But um, anyway, there's, there's, there's some guys in a daredevil mask. Then there's a guy with a bunch of tattoos and half of an Iron Man helmet. Yeah, and I he's he Gladiator. Cool. He's like the boss of this little poker game. Is Gladiator a new character or has he been around? No, as far as I know, he's he's new for this. Okay. So they're talking about all their uh, misbehavior. And um, th- they've heard rumors. Rumors that the Hulks were slaughtered and that there was this guy. Then from off panel we have, might be this guy. And then we see a shadowy figure in the doorway. And I know what you're thinking. Did I fire five shots or six shots? <laughs> Isn't that some <laughs> line that out of a Clint Eastwood yeah, movie? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Do one of the dirty. Lucky punk? One of the dirty Harrys. <laughs> yeah, that's what this reminded me of. Him just standing there. Yeah. After I work out, I'm dirty and hairy. <laughs> You're always hairy. <laughs> and sometimes dirty. <laughs> yes. Just not always at the same time. What? You're not always dirty and hairy. No, but... When I'm dirty, it's always at the same time as Harry. Yes, but when you're Harry, you're not always dirty. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I don't understand. I feel like you're agreeing with me by contradicting me, and it's really confusing, <laughs> hurting you? my feelings. <laughs> anyway, the shadowy figure who's drinking a cold cola uh, says, "You're stealing and selling kids. You're gonna stop." Being called out. This cola, which looks either like Mountain Dew or light beer, but um, he pours. Pours <laughs> on re- top of the guy's I, head. I really love this interchange because, or this exchange, I guess is probably the better way to say it. Gladiator says, "Gonna give you the count of three to get your ass the hell out of here." And our figure, it's, it's old man Logan. Yeah, there's no spoiler <laughs> yeah. behind that. He's been out in the dust, so he's dirty, old man Logan. <laughs> <laughs> and he says three. Like this one, and he starts pouring the beer on one of the daredevil's heads. The only thing I thought might have been cooler, I, see, I'm on the fence because I think this is really cool. Yeah, and he's like, he's like pouring the beer or the, the cola on the guy's head, and he's like, What count to three? One, two, three. But it would have also been really cool if he said three, like this, and then popped his claws one at a time. He said, One, two, three, snick, snick, snick. No, because then he's showing his cards before he's ready yeah. right now he's just an old man but right. they feel like yeah we'll just you know yeah bullet to the head take him out so in a uh in a hip-hop music video style gladiator pulls out his guns and money's flying everywhere and he goes in them i actually really liked the way that panel was drawn it was very artistic Yes. And I think that's what i liked about it so he goes monochromatic on the arms did you like that some, yeah okay I did too. And then we get an awesome panel. Almost, see, again, feels like a movie. It's almost like this page is in slow motion. It reminded me of Pulp Fiction. Yeah, a little bit, for sure. Or, I'm sorry, not Pulp Fiction. Um, Kill Bill. Okay. There's definitely a Tarantino feel to this. Yes. To a degree, anyway. Not maybe all the sharp dialogue, but definitely, like, I don't know, this, the visual style. But yeah, so we see a hand, like, kind of reaching over the table. We see a gun shoot, and then all... The whole page just slows down. And then we see old man Logan jump across the table and just both hands, all six claws, through the gladiator's ribcage. 
Well, and I love that you see the bullet wound from Logan, like where the gun shot him. Yeah, yeah, through his shoulder. Yeah. And we get a nice big, like, see-through snit across this big double-page spread of, yeah. of Wolverine attacking the gladiator. Well, and I'm not real. I'm not a real big fan on, like, blood and gore, but it teeter-tottered as to a little over the top, but I think in this panel, it's okay. And I think that's why I refer to it as a Kill Bill style. Yeah. Because later on, it does get to, like, okay. It's, it's kind of gory, and it's pretty brutal. So anyway, he he kills uh, the gladiator. There's a really cool last little... So there's so basically, this is a double-page spread with panels across the top and across the bottom. And the last panel on the bottom, we have a really cool panel of his claws, like, reaching up and hitting the overhead light. Yeah, and, like, I like sparks that. fly. Looks really cool. Then our next double-page spread is, like, a checkerboard of black space oh. and panels. Okay, so... You I don't, don't get that on that. the iPad, unfortunately. It breaks so, it a page at a time. Yeah, so I was like, oh, more gore. Whereas if I got it in one spread, I would have been like, okay, got it. And moved on. Well, and again, I don't know what Sorrentino was going for or what Ben scripted here. But here's the way I read it. Okay. So we end that so we have these two double pages in a row. We end with the bottom panel on the first one with Logan hitting the light with his claws. So in my mind, the light starts swinging. Yes. And then on this next page, like it's almost like the scenes in and out of the light. And that's the light swinging. So we have a black panel a panel, a solid black, a panel, a solid black. Oh. And it's like the light swinging in and out. So they're like, mm, yes. you see the action like between the light swings. And see, I didn't get that when you only get the one. I just it's not I, as obvious. And I'm, I'm not even saying it's obvious. That's just the way I read it. No, but when I look at that, it does seem obvious. But when you look at the little like, what is that? Two, four, six, seven little squares. You're like, okay, it's just the way he designed the panels. I think it, it hurts to read because the way I read it, I read the top all the way across. Oh. And so you had to read down because you only got a page at a time. Which, I Again, I'm not saying that's right. That's just the way I read it. No, but it makes sense. It makes sense the way, well, sort of. It, it, I think it kind of works either way. Yeah. But I just That's disappointing. I would have rather have seen it. And I even have the iPad in landscape view. Right. So, in theory, it could have shown up and it didn't. Anyway, there's some pretty gross stuff <laughs> in here. And we have guys getting their ears chopped off and a guy gets his foot cut off. One guy gets claws through his head. Pretty gruesome. Pretty brutal. Then we have a full page splash of Old Man and Logan and someone else crashing out the window. It's all in orange and red and white. Is it just Looks pretty him? cool. Or is it no, I think he's else? being tackled, right? I have no idea. I think so. Well, no, I think it is just him. Because when he lands on the car, he's by himself. So he lands on top of like an old Hummer or whatever or of some Jeep. sort. Yeah, a Jeep. Some, some all-terrain vehicle. See, I guess this Daredevil guy pushed him out the window. But Logan, I'm assuming, jumps back through the window. I don't know. Or they come downstairs. So we have, I'm going to make a nomination for Snick of the Year on this one. The other snake on the full pa- the double page is pretty awesome, but I like this one because it's all in red and white, and we have like the kachak of the daredevil guy pumping a 12 gauge. Yeah. And then the, in the counter panel, we have a snake and Wolverine popping his claws, almost like shotgun versus claws. And I don't know, it was Who really win? cool. Yeah. yeah Tune not- in at 7 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> no, it's the newest sci-fi movie. Oh. Shark versus octopus and a shotgun versus claws. 
So anyway, they, then we get another panel. See, this one to me was a little less gory, but more brutal. Oh, see, I thought But it's still, still pretty gory, gory I guess. Brutal. Yeah, but the brutality of this, this book is pretty high. Just, yeah. just a warning for anyone that's thinking about reading it. Yeah. And Sorrentino, because it's so gritty, it almost feels more brutal than if it was super realistic looking. Well, and to be honest, I think there's so much blood that the gritty aspect was probably the better aspect because then it might have looked too cartoonish yes and cheesy yeah, yeah. i agree I, I think i think kind of the muted tones the monochrome kind of the grit of his style makes this look more violent than if it was just bright red blood on regular colored comic yeah pages. no i agree anyway the claws win in case you weren't sure uh, wolverine slices up the uh shotgun into many pieces and then he tells the guy to take off the mask. And he's like, please, please. He I goes, didn't do nothing. Yeah. He goes, you wear this uniform? Do you even know who that was? He's like, no, it just looks cool. <laughs> I love how he's like, you, you don't even know. He's like, no, what? Yeah, and then Wolverine stabs him through. The, again, all six claws through the abdomen. Pretty, pretty brutal. Then he growls. And then... <laughs> Then in a typical, like, humorous, dark comedy action kind of way. Right. These kids that he just saved are like, oh, what do we do now? He's like, go live your life. Like, no, thank you. Um, no, like, whatever. There's a flaw, though, on this page. What's and that? it bothers me so bad. What? Okay. So in the end where he's putting gum in his mouth. Uh-huh. So he's holding it with his right hand. But when he gets shot, he's dropping it. With his left hand, and not only is it the gum, but it's the gum and the package. Because you don't see his left hand. He was holding the package. So he pulled, he's holding the package in his left hand, pulls a strip out with his right hand, starts to put it in his mouth, he gets shot, and he throws the package in the air, and the piece falls with the weight of the bullet. No. I don't think it's a flaw. I think it's actually think it's a pretty a cool panel. I think it's a flaw. I defy you. Where you just mimicked it, and you had both your hands up, where it would have been okay. in panel. Yes. I think they didn't want to cover up the bang, though. <laughs> it's, it's still a flaw. Okay, I disagree. But anyway, uh, Gladiator's son has a piece. He's, he tried to bust a calf in old man Logan. You killed my paw. I really love the scene, though, where he gets shot, too, though, because it hits him in the cheek, and we get a ping, like yeah. of the bullet bouncing off the adamantium cheekbone. It's really cool. Yeah. And Wolverine basically says, I want y'all to have a better life than me. I'm going to come back if this place isn't better. I'm burning, burning it. it. <laughs> Starting over. I also really like because he takes the gun away from the kid and he hold, he does the classic like holds his fist under the kid's chin. Yeah. Like I'm going to pop my claws through your brain kind of thing. And then the guy says, gladiator with my paw. And Wolverine's like, I did you a favor. He's like, no, I'm going to grow up and kill you. He's like, do it. Well, I love this line. He goes, um, he goes, I'm going to grow up and kill you. And Wolverine says, you still feel that way when you grow up? Then you come and find me. And you go right ahead and try. And that was really cool. It is cool. So then we have like this dark Children of the Corn panel where all the no, kids are in shadow. We went from a punk group to, to like cowboy a, groups. Yeah. To like a 19 newsies. like yeah. depression. Twi- like. Well, we have the kid with the dollar sign necklace. Yeah, I think. These all look like they're no, from the Depression. Look, the one right on his shoulder has the, the Mohawk punky Miley Cyrus there still. Okay, I'm talking about these people right here. Yes, they do. They look like they're in, they're in the mob. or they're in, they're new, no. It's a cast of Newsies. Yes, it's the cast of Newsies. If I remembered any of those songs, I would sing one, but I don't. Santa Fe, 
that's the only word I know how to say. Is that from that movie? Yes. Oh, I remember liking the movie, but I don't remember hardly anything about it. Anyway, then he whistles for his horse, <laughs> which I thought was awesome. And Mary and Clint Eastwood again. When it got to this point, I was like, cowboys and Indians. Or cowboys and aliens. Yeah. And he hops on his horse and what is another great panel. I love that panel. So anyway, and then Wolverine rides off on his horse and the kids are just kind of standing there like, uh, no. okay. Then we get one of my favorite panels of the book. This is a beautiful This panel. is breathtaking. So it's Wolverine on like a cliff and we have these mesas in the background. And the sky is all orange and purple and blue. And there's a dark shadow of a cactus. Wolverine's on his horse. We have, like, dark shadow of, like, vultures flying in the air. I don't know if it'll still be when I put this up right now. This is my uh, header on my Twitter account. Oh, is it? So if you haven't read the book, go check out my Twitter account, um, which I'll plug again at the end of the show. But it's at Snickcast. And it's just such a a gorgeous panel. It is. In fact, it reminds me of our soon-to-be vacation trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to the Grand Canyon this summer. Actually, we're going all the way across the West. We're going to start in Carlsbad and go to Grand Canyon. Then so we'll go through Painted Desert and uh, Petrified and all that. Yeah. So Then uh, Wolverine saddles on up to an old gas station, finds a brew, sees a dust cloud. And this part kind of confused me. What's with the red panel? Okay, you know, <laughs> I just now figured out what happened. I thought that was like a drop of blood, like this whole time. I did too. That's the helmet. So it fell out of the sky. Oh, because I was. Which I knew it did, but I didn't realize that was what that panel was. Well, because I even zoomed in. I was like, okay, is this speck of red supposed to be here? Yep. Okay. So that's the the helmet. And it it falls down and crashes to the ground. And Logan sees it. And it's an Ultron head. And I knew that from the movie. (laughs) Yes. And this is one of the models of Ultron that still looks like the uh, Mausers from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. No, I think Ultron may have came first. So maybe the Mausers look like Ultron, but whatever. I knew about Mausers before I knew about Ultron. So Logan picks it up and goes all Hamlet on it. He holds it up in front of him like a skull and he talks to it. He's like, anyone in there? Like, is this thing on? Oh, who did Hamlet talk to? Um, not Was it Horatio? I don't remember. I don't remember either. It was like, oh, Oric. Was it Oric? No. York? I don't think York. No. York wasn't dead, was he? Maybe. Maybe. I don't remember. I just remember, oh, I knew you so well. Yes. No, it was, oh, Horatio, how I knew thee, or something like that. I don't know. I don't remember. I should remember. That's like my favorite play of all time. Macbeth is my favorite. Really? Oh, I, like, I like Macbeth a lot, too, but I like Hamlet more. But I really identified with the indecisiveness of Hamlet, because I was a tortured, angst-driven youth, and I always tortured myself over my inability to take action. So I really identified with Hamlet's whole ordeal. What was the chick's name? And, uh, Start with an O. Hamlet? Yeah. Uh, Ophelia. Ophelia. Yeah, I identified with Ophelia. <laughs> yeah. So you floated in a river naked. Yeah. Covered by water lilies. Yes. Yeah. So Just you can be PG-13. Just for you. <laughs> then he shakes it and he looks up and he's like, where the hell did this come from? And he goes home. Here we have his uh, babysitter and, this and his baby Hulk. Me. Okay. So if you didn't you remember from the intro, he took the last Hulk baby. No, I understood that part. Okay. It's the chip. Okay. Because he makes right. reference. So he calls her Danielle, which, or actually he calls her Danny first, which threw a curveball because I was like, oh, well, it's Danny Moonstar. Because that's, that's the Danny in the Marvel Universe, um, or at least in, in the X Universe. But it's not, it's Danielle Cage. Because she says, he says something about her dad. I was like, well, I don't remember anything about Danielle, like Moonstar's dad. Like, right. Well, he says that your dad fought 
Ultron. Yeah. And he talks about like it's an older version of Ultron. And then but we see a photograph of Luke Cage and um Jessica Jones and the baby. Which I won't lie, I never remembered the baby in regular continuity. Like what her name I remember she was there, but I always forgot her name. So who but I guess it was Danielle. Alright. So Luke Cage is an Avenger. He was a hero for hire first. Okay. He was Power Man and Iron Fist, those guys. He has a new uh, he has a Netflix series coming up. Okay. Actually Jessica Jones does too. And they're gonna they're gonna be part of the Daredevil thing. Okay. Um, they'll have their own series first. All that's building up to Defenders, which is gonna be a, the team of like the street level heroes for the uh, Marvel live action universe. Okay. But anyway, so we see the baby Hulk and uh, Logan's gonna find out how this thing got over the wall. Then we see, we go to Hammer Falls, Nevada, and we see a Thor hammer that crashed on the ground, and a city was built around it, because after the heroes died, nobody was worthy to pick up Mjolnir, so it just sat there. Oh, see, I thought it was a prop, since you had, like, the... I can see where you say that, because he drives to, like, a a Marvel gift shop. There's, like, Fantastic Four t-shirts hanging on a rack, and we have, like, uh... Cyclops, Iron Man. What, not not arcade games. What are um, at the fair? Not concession Cupid stands. dolls? No. The games you play. What's the general, like on the midway at the fair? Anyway. Game stands? Th- sure, game stands. You have a bunch of like prize stuffed animals. And you have Cyclops and Iron Man and... Captain America. Captain America. And I don't know who that other one is. I don't know. There's like three of them. Yeah. Nobody wanted it. <laughs> I guess not. It kind of looks like new Cyclops' uniform, but there's already a Cyclops and he has eyes, so it can't be. Well, Maybe it's, it's Wonder weird, Man. Like... I don't know. He has, yeah, he, has, he has not black eye black under his eyes. It looks like a girl. Could it be Black Widow? Maybe. I have no idea. There's some old fake Iron Man helmets or maybe real Iron Man helmets. I don't know. Um, But he came to meet Emma and we get a snicked and Emma looks like old school Phoenix Jean Grey. Yep. And Logan, old man Logan's like, cut it out, Emma. But she said, I thought you were a dirty old man. I wanted a young Jean to make love to. And he goes, I ain't Summers. I never liked this game. And she's like, yeah, you did. Everybody wants to see what they want. But she turns back to Emma. But she turns back to young Emma. Yes. And Wolverine's like, let me, or Logan, is like, let me see for who you are. And she's like, nope, I have my vanity. Which felt like Emma to me. Yeah, except she's got, like, bone. they both have, like, the boniest fingers. Yeah, well, you know, it's post-apocalyptic. You don't eat well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're meeting here to talk about the Ultron head, and Emma says that the Punishers got here first. I like that there's a group of Punishers, and they don't necessarily look like good guys. But they, uh, they kill some, like, Ultron kid. It's like some Ultron robot in cargo pants. They take him. They all have Punisher shirts and like face painted. And it looks like they may have got Emma, but Emma says she survived. They talk about where the helmet probably came from. It came over the wall. And it's an old version of Ultron. And he needs to talk to the new one of the newer Ultrons and figure out like what's going on. I thought all these were dead. Where did it come from? And then he sees Emma for how she really is, and she's she's dying. Yeah, she's got the, the Punisher's got her. She said she tried to turn diamond, but it didn't work. I mean, I guess old age couldn't get it hard. <laughs> she couldn't get it up. <laughs> she couldn't. She didn't take the blue pill fast enough. Well, my favorite, because her, her last, uh, or one of her last lines, she goes, uh, I miss teaching. And Wolverine's like, me too. Like, I thought that was really yeah. cool. And just kind of like, yeah, I, I miss the old world where like we were raising kids and they, maybe things were bad, but they still had hope. And now there's like, no, there's none of that. 
And he leaves his hat there for her to die, and he rides off through the desert. We see a T-Rex eating some bones. Oh, so now it's Jurassic Park meets well, cowboys and yeah. aliens. Yeah, and we get yet another snicked. Lots of snicked. Oh, and I missed him, but there's a bub in here earlier when he's talking to the daredevil guy. Oh. He says something about bub. So he gets to his the wall, the border of his territory, I'm assuming, and uh, he's going he's gonna to climb over, figure out where the Ultron head came from, what's going on. All right, so what do you think of the art? Despite the goriness of some panels, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought, you know, we've had Sorrentino with books on the podcast before. I've really enjoyed him. I thought this fit this story fit his art so well it took it to another level yeah i know just it was such a perfect marriage and bendis like there was some of his quirkiness but not his sense of humor didn't really shine in this one and i thought that was really cool because it was still like good bendis writing but he, he fit it to the story so i thought that was pretty great but yeah so i i love the art i love the color a lot myolo did a great job that, that was just a great pair, a great pair up. It was the right kind, because the colors changed a lot throughout the book. Right. And it was the right kind of colors at the right times. I just thought it was, was perfect. Visually, this book was, was just damn near perfect. So what do you think of the story? I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Considering I didn't know about Old Man Logan the first go round. Right. I thoroughly enjoyed this. It was a lot of setup, but I felt like it was still really cool. Yeah, but even for all this setup, it didn't seem like, oh, I'm reading this because I need to know this information. Right. No. It felt like all part of the story. No, I agree. I, I thought it I thought it had a nice flow. It went really cool. The only thing that kind of like maybe took me out in just a second. And this is kind of the I guess the drawback of this whole secret war situation. Okay. Because you have Battle World and you have all these different versions of different characters running around. Like the fact that this is part of Battle World almost makes it a little weird to me. And here's the main thing that kind of tricked me up. Because we, we talked about Molnir, Thor's hammer, how it fell. Right. And no one could pick it up. Right. And like in the original Old Man Logan, that was really cool because it's almost like this artifact. Almost like in at the end of, uh, I guess, it's, is it Iron Man or Iron Man 2? I don't remember. But... When they go out to the desert and they oh yeah 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 and they have all these people trying to get it and almost like they build this whole like carnival around it yes because you know people are still having fun in this post-apocalyptic world where all the heroes existed and died it's almost like they couldn't move it so it's almost like screw it a, well no it's almost like a landmark of sorts and they built a city around it like that Hammer's Falls city was built around the hammer almost like well if we can't use it like it's an attraction almost like it's a tourist attraction yes but okay and maybe you can clarify this because I was a little confused I thought the reason why I thought it was a toy hammer was because the Daredevil guys talked about how the oh no I'm sorry it was Wolverine when he was talking to Danny and he was like, yeah, maybe the Thors killed it. Well, it okay, but that's, that's my point. That kind of loses impact because in Battleworld, Doom's police force is all the multiverse of the Thors. So it's weird to me that I understand that Doom like let people like control all their territories. Like he's the overarching king, but he, we have these what he calls barons right. over all the different lands. And he let some stay in control as long as they agree to be under his rule. Right. So they're kind of autonomous to a degree. So I understand that maybe the Thors wouldn't interfere. But it just kind of takes a little bit of the impact away that there's this whole really cool part of the story 
that, that the Thor in this universe was killed and no one can move the hammer after he died. When in, in Batterworld, you have a whole universe of Thors flying around that can just come grab the hammer and, and yeah. go about their business. So that one minor detraction was kind of the only thing that was kind of a head-scratcher for me. But that's just part of just kind of the drawback of having all these multiple universes in one place. There's going to be some parts that are really cool because you have these different versions, but there's going to be some parts that kind of have to ignore the contradictions, and that's one of those where you have to ignore the contradictions. But overall, I really, really enjoyed this issue. I felt like it pretty much lived up to what I wanted it to be. I would agree. For the most part. Because I really love the original series. You know, it's funny because when it first came out, it was at a time where I was kind of trying to make some budget cuts and I almost skipped it. Uh-oh. The original one. Because I was like, well, it's just going to be another alternate. It's like a future, but it's not really the future. It won't really matter. I, I can get to the end of it and it won't really change anything. And, and to a degree, it didn't. Oh, and it was Mark Millar, who I'm very hot and cold with. There are Mark Millar stories I love. And there are Mark Millar stories that I don't like so much. <laughs> They're so like, look how extreme I can be. I'm Mark Millar. And I just don't like them. But then there's stuff like Civil War and Old Man Logan that I really, really love. And, and other stuff he did too. Those are just kind of the top two that pop into my head. Funny enough, both drawn by Steve McNiven. And he's the reason I didn't skip the series. Because I, I saw it. And I saw the McNiven art. I was like, oh, I got to buy this. And then I was hooked. It was such a great story. I didn't care anymore. Anyway, this was a great follow-up, and I just I loved where it went. So, what are you going to grade Old Man Logan number one? I'm going to give it five out of six. I'm also going to give it five out of six claws. I know I raved about it a lot, and it's all it's like right on the cusp of being a perfect six for me. didn't have those damn flaws. <laughs> but overall, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle on a very, very high, very hard five out of six claws. So, that's, that's Old Man Logan number one. I can't wait to read number two. So now we're going to go out to our Secret Wars correspondent, Georgie V. Our man in Japan is going to talk about Secret Wars X-Men 92. All right, Georgie. Are you hearing me? Is this coming through? Hello? Yeah, Georgie. We got you loud and clear. This is Georgie V. Transmitting across space and time to review a comic on the Snicked cast. The podcast that goes Snicked. Of course, you all remember me, the greatest, bestest, most funniest, handsomest, you know, member from the Intercomics family. Way better than Dan and Jack and Matt. And as soon as they crown me the queen of love and beauty, I will help bring about peace to this war-torn comics landscape that we all find ourselves in. I'm here to assist the Snicked cast in reviewing X-Men 92, an Infinity comic written by... Chad Bowers and Chris Sims, art by Scott Koblish, cover by Scott Koblish. So the creators are not the most well-known uh, throughout the industry. Uh, mostly they've uh, worked on some uh, monkey brain stuff and some independent stuff. Chris Sims um, writes for Comics Alliance, doing mostly opinion pieces. He also uh, produced his own original graphic novel called Downset Fight, which is like about football players fighting across the nation. Uh, his co-author um, also helped him write a book called Awesome Hospital, which, mm-hmm. And Scott Koblish uh, has done a lot of Deadpool covers. So that's the team we're working with. Uh, the other thing is X-Men 92 is an infinity comic. So lots of swooshes and 
you know, digital stuff. Anyway, here we go. So readers a lot like myself, same age, will have a lot of uh, nostalgia for the early 90s X-Men animated show. Uh, many people, including myself, got uh, a lot of their you know, early X-Men characterizations from that same show. Uh, but have you gone to watch it uh, lately? Because it doesn't quite hold up. Like you might think, it's not nearly as good as the Batman animated TV show was. Um, the animation, especially in the first and final seasons, is quite blurry and sometimes uh, very low quality, so... Mm, mm. Uh, but now Secret Wars is here to feed off the nostalgia of, a, of us 30-ish uh, nerdy comic book quote-unquote losers. So, uh, quick spoiler, uh, don't let this comic feed off your wallet. Uh, it's not worth it. Be strong. Uh, no. <laughs> anyway, back to the review. The story here is not the strongest. It's pretty boring. Nothing really happens. Uh, the characters are introduced, but meh. And then there's the art, which is meh. It, it's actually kind of difficult to tell if the artist is purposely uh, no, trying to play down his talents to make an homage or sort of joke on the art quality of the TV show. And if it was more apparent, it might be a, you know, something more interesting to look at, but it's just so inconsistent throughout the book. I would just say, yeah, art, not so nice, uh, not passing grade. Uh, sometimes even just adjacent panels of the same characters will have widely you know, different faces. Uh, you see that with Wolverine a lot and Gambit, just panels side by side. What's going on here? These are not the same people. That, you know, you'd think they had plastic surgery in between panels. It's so different. So if you're looking for, you know, some great art, this is not the book. So, you know, ouch. Uh, the other thing is the dialogue feels more like someone trying to copy the TV show and not sort of distilling the thoughts of the TV show and, and you know, creating their own voice through the characters. It's... Uh, I, I, I imagine that the writers actually just copied and pasted dialogue from bits and pieces of the TV show and figured out how to make a story out of that. So the dialogue along with the art... Mm -hmm. And there's so many words. So many words. Uh, it's, it's pretty apparent that the creative team here is not following the uh, show, not tell mantra that I'm always harping about. So it's a little bit disappointing all around. And it's, it's you know, it's disappointing because we do have these great memories of the show. And it, it was a fun show, despite its, its failings. So this book could have been a lot of fun in perhaps the hands of some other creators. But, you know, this is what we get. So, mm. Okay, so actually back to the story. The X-Men play laser tag for the first half of the issue. And nothing really happens. Yeah, it's like, there's there's Cyclops, okay. There's, there's Storm, okay. There's Gambit, okay. And they go to play laser tag because that's what X-Men do. Never... <laughs> and they play it off like, oh yeah, Jubilee's always playing laser tag, but that doesn't happen ever in the books beforehand, so... Is this a retcon? I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it matches with the characters. We do get some nice arguing between Cyclops and Wolverine through the issue. It's okay. Um, I think we definitely needed more of Wolverine pining over Jean. We definitely needed some quiet moments of Wolverine looking at Jean's photo and going, Jean... Would have been it would have been an improvement uh, and then perhaps uh, the most troubling part to any wolverine fan is wolverine spends a good portion of the issue shopping that's right wolverine is buying clothes that's what we all wanted to see and that's what we all got so what happens nothing really happens there's 
small sentinel attack, blah, 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 blah. Skip to the end, and there's sort of a reveal. But it's neither amazing nor shocking. And yeah, I just skipped to the end through the story because nothing happened. Blech. So overall, it's not the worst book, even though I did kind of just crap on it a lot. But it's not as good as an average book either. Too many words, bad characterization, the art is subpar. Stay away. Your wallet will be happy. Your bank account will be happy. I'll be happy. Stay away. So final rating, two out of six claws. And I'm really dreading having to review the second issue of this. But I'll sacrifice for Jason, for the Venable family, for the podcast that goes snicked, and to show those inner comics people how things really go. So that was me, Georgie V, reviewing X-Men 92, issue one. Don't buy it. Later. All right. Thanks, Georgie. We appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so a little uh, podcast confession. Uh-oh. True confessions of a podcast. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. Um, <laughs> so neither of us read that. <laughs> no. Sorry. We did it. Sorry, man. My Secret Wars has got me budgeted to the max. And, um, well... No, really, I haven't budgeted. Well, whatever. Secret Wars has inflated my budget. And, you know, I, I actually, uh, I waited to hear Jordy's review. Uh-huh. Before I decided whether to buy it or not. And, uh, he talked me out of it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of glad you didn't spend that. Well, it was only, whatever. actually, that, as the Infinity comic, was only, I think it was $1.99. Which is still, uh, not bad. I mean, yeah, but whatever. But honestly, I kind of have some of the same um, sentiments. I did see the six page, or I guess in Infinity, it's not really pages, six panels of the comic. Uh-huh. And I agree, the art did not look great. And I kind of have the same sentiments as Georgie in that I remember liking the cartoon as a kid. Right. But he made a good comparison because we've watched both of my uh, preteen cartoons with Ethan. Right. That being the X-Men animated show and the Batman, the animated series. Right. Now, I will say they're both fun in their own way. Yeah. But, but the Batman is a vastly superior cartoon. Oh. And that it actually still kind of holds up. Okay. And there's definitely some clunker episodes in there. Yeah, but confession, like when you have band practice, if Batman's on, <laughs> I'd be watching some Batman. Right, right. When the X-Men, kind of, the only real joy I get out of it is nostalgia and sharing it with Ethan. Even though I liked the cartoon as a kid, I had seen it recently, and so my memory of it had already kind of been soured a little bit. And so when everybody else was talking about how excited they were for this series, I was already kind of like, eh, coasting in my car. No no gas. Right. Um, like, yeah, I might check it out, but I wasn't really, like, excited about it. And from what Georgie says, it kind of hits around the area I was expecting it to. That's too bad. <laughs> I didn't think it's too bad also that we're not doing a flashback episode because Georgie's nickname would have been Georgie Wolverine Shopping Spree V. <laughs> but, um, oh, the only, the only thing I would say as far as, like, the laser tag, I agree with Georgie. X-Men never played laser tag, but I had a feeling... 
with this series that it's not going to be taken too seriously. Like, there's no way to do it super serious. Right. So my instinct was they're going to make as many like kind of 90s end jokes as they can. Oh. I feel like I feel like switching the X-Men to playing laser tag was like, ah, remember how 90s laser tag was? Remember how everybody remember played? Remember the lock-ins where we played laser yeah, tag Yeah, how we all, all played night? laser tag and did indoor rock. I, I bet the X-Men next issue, Georgie, would do indoor rock climbing. Ooh, <laughs> and rollerblading. Yeah, and rollerblading. Now, to be fair, Georgie, my Jubilee, will know this. Jubilee loved her as a rollerblades. That was actually in the comic. Shh, um, don't tell anyone yeah. I still have rollerblades in our garage. Yes, they're covered in spider webs. <laughs> and four and not, inches of dust. And, and not because Spider-Man was there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, enough diddle-daddle. Um, diddle-daddle? We have no rating because we didn't read it. Oops. Georgie, I apologize that it was such a chore to get through. But thank you. We love you. We mean it from the bottom of our Wolverine hearts. hearts. Yeah. Oh, we went different ways. <laughs> We're not the same person. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, let's move on. Moving on. All right, so next up, we're going to move to Secret Wars Journal number one. We have two stories here, one of which has a a Wolverine. So we have The Arrowhead, written by Prue Shin, art by Raymond Box, colors by Jean-Francois Beaulieu, maybe? Possibly. And then We Worship What We Don't Understand, which is a cool title, uh, written by Matthew Rosenberg. Art by Luca Pizzari. Colors by Rain Barreto. Letters on both parts is by VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Kevin Wada. As in, what are he doing on the cover? We got Hunger Games on the cover. Or Sojourn, which came first. Oh, well. Um, so we have Kate Bishop in Medieval Times shooting an arrow very awkwardly. I feel like her, her arrow is backwards. No, her arrow is like... It should be on the it's inside like of your this. thumb, right? <laughs> yeah. He's like shooting all cross-eyed. And then we have Hulkling and Wiccan. And these are our Young Avengers character and the Arrowhead. And it's in our 1602 universe. And it's kind of just in whatever story. Who cares? Ours okay. The story's okay. It's really neither here nor there. Um, then we go to our We Worship What We Don't Understand, which, which is in Egyptia. Walk like an Egyptian. Yeah. Ayo, tambourine, 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 Walk like an Egyptian. No, in Egypt. What is it? Word? Egyptian. What do they call it? In the song? Egyptian. No. What did you just call where we are? Egyptia. Egyptian. Yeah. That's what I said. Why are you, why are you calling me out for saying what I said? I said Egyptian instead of Egyptia. Yeah. So when I was little, that was my favorite song to come on at the roller skating rink. Me too. Just because you would skate around and do the stupid arm motions. I never did the arm motions. Really? No. Were you not a good skater? I, I needed balance. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they have those stupid like walkers. Skates yes, but they're brilliant. It really helped Ethan like gain yes, his it, confidence. It did. It did. If y'all don't know, he's not. He's not the reckless daredevil I was. No, he loved to try to get hurt. <laughs> no, but it's literally like it's Which PVC I grew out pipe. of that at some point. <laughs> well, it's PVC pipe with like what tennis balls on the no, end. No, it, it's like PVC pipe shaped like an old person walker. Right. But one side instead of wheels is like little roller skate wheels. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so you roll, you, you might roll it and it keeps your balance and you hold it up. And you, yeah. so you 
roller skate behind now, You know when I quit being a daredevil? When I became a musician. This is the whole reason I, I was terrible at skateboarding. Because I lost my ability to take risk. Because I did not want to hurt my wrist or ankles. Because then I couldn't play drums anymore. Or, a, or a guitar. So I was like, man, i got to protect my assets. So I, I quit being dangerous. So how do we make Ethan more of a daredevil? Because he just doesn't want to get hurt. Oh, no. He just doesn't have the same personality. <laughs> Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know he's going to grow up to be the kid that, like, jumps out of planes and goes bungee jumping. That would be awesome. I always wanted to skydive and missed my window. You can still do it. You told me I couldn't. <laughs> Take out some life insurance and then you I can I have any life it. insurance. No, I, you need more than that. Oh, okay. You need to be able to take care of Ethan and I once you die. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to Egyptia, which is kind of our meshing together of apocalypse type characters and moon knights. Which I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. So we have Archangel who looks like a cross. He has like the apocalypse lips. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the apocalypse. Ba-dum-bum. Yep. <laughs> You know, you laugh. But there was I had I used to have a song called "Kiss Me on the Apocalypse." Hmm, I actually kind of like. That I can't. Sometimes. I never could decide if I liked it or not, so I never did anything with it. Well, because it's it's a double entendre. Yeah, it's kind of cool, but it's kind of dumb, and I never could decide if it was more cool or more dumb. I think it depends on the lyrics in the song. No, I think the song's fine, and the lyrics are fine, but um, if not a hair. A hair too much like Tom Petty or Toad the West Rocket sounding. I need to I need to beef it up a little bit. Um, Man just, it up. No, just because the lyrics don't fit that. Like I I love both those bands, but the lyrics don't really fit that kind of melodious jangle mm. rock. But um, anyway, <laughs> back again. We keep detouring away from Egyptia, um, <laughs> which is a cool dark place where everybody looks. Actually, you know, people look like a cross between, like, ancient Egypt. And if, you, if anyone ever read the Bishop Solo series where he got cast into the future, but a different future than his own future than he came from the first time, um, which is, all sounds very confusing. But um, that Bishop looks really cool. And there's a guy that looks like that Bishop here. He even has the same, like, kerchief and the dreads and, like, the armor and stuff. Who was the guy that did that? Um... I really, Georges Genty, or Jorge, he was French. How do you say George in French? I know in Spanish it's Jorge. Georges. Georges Gente, Gente, however you say it. Great artist. He did the first part, first big run on the Bishop solo series. This design work, the art doesn't look like him, but the design kind of looks like his design for that series. Crossed with like ancient Egypt. It's a really, I think it's a really cool design, really cool look. In the book. So anyway, they talk about how they're they're like in a mutant camp and you can't go out at night. So they're opposite of the Smashing Pumpkins who only go out at night. Nice 90s reference for you. A deep a deep cut for 90s reference. So anyway, a Wolverine comes in and says he met with someone that's going to help them kill Khonshu, which is the Egyptian god of the moon, uh, which we know that from Moon Knight. And so they sneak out and they're caught by a guard who says, hey, it's past curfew. But we have our X-Men. Uh, he throws a spear, but it goes through Kitty because she freight phases. Then it hits Colossus because he meddles up. Uh, then we have an interesting take on Nightcrawler, who's like, no gods, no masters, and he's super violent. So definitely not the... He's like a pet monkey. Not the religious, peacekeeping Nightcrawler we're used to. But anyway, 
They meet the guard. They get out. They're walking through the desert. They're going to go try to kill Khonshu. And they meet a Moon Knight, Mark Spector. I love this design. It reminds me of um, Thundercats, Mumra. He does look a little bit like Mumra. Yes, I didn't catch that, but you were totally right. So imagine a cross between Mumra before he transforms. Right. And Moon Knight, and that's what you have here. But I think it looks great. I love his like bird skeletons on his knee pads. Yes. And they're pretty awesome. Just his face in the shadow. I always, the Moon Knight comic over the years has been very up and down. I know we're kind of in a uh, renaissance of it right now. But regardless of when it's been bad, Moon Knight has always visually looked really cool to me anyway. And to a lot of people. Anyway, he takes off his mask and he has a big half moon tattoo on his head. thought that was pretty cool. And Kenny's like, Wolverine, this is your contact. You betrayed us. He works for Khonshu. He's like, no, I quit. <laughs> I lost my faith. And I'm going to help you all. <coughs> and then he starts coughing. And then he turns into a werewolf. And this is where we kind of jump the shark on this story for me. I was like, Wendigos? What? No, he looks like the wolf man. Like in the mod, like the uh, Benicio del Toro Wolfman, and then there's a bunch of Moon Knight Wolfmans, and we get two pages of fighting. That's okay. Kanchu shows up and says, "Stop! No more fighting. Why don't y'all want to worship me? I'm a great god." Kanchu looks really cool, also. Yeah, she reminds me of the female version of Mumra. She has her cool like bird skull helmet with her Pharaoh headdress. Looks really great, and she says, "I just want y'all to worship me, so I'm gonna spare you." So they go home back to the camp and they're like, you survived. Oh, but you're traitors. You have the mark of the moon. And they all have moon tattoos over their right eye. And they're like, no, Kanchu saved us. And then they turn into werewolves and attack their fellow teammates. Stupid. Kind of dumb. Yeah. So I thought this art was cool. Oh, I wasn't overly fond See, of it. I, I, it's very stylized. I, I really like the designs of the characters. The art itself, like the motion, was okay. But I thought as a design world, it looked really cool. Uh, no, I don't no, see it. No, not so much? Okay. No. And Egyptia, in theory, had a lot of really cool concepts. Okay, they did kind of have I I cool love the setup of this story. So you have this god who's enslaving these people. And she's the god of the night. And you can't go out at night because the wolves come out. Okay? Right. I'm even okay with that. I didn't like that the wolves were moon knights. That they were her, like, attendants. But you have the moon knights who are, like, the priest of Khonshu. I thought that was cool. But it also makes it, sense because it says that she walks at night by herself. And she does that because all of her moon knights turn into werewolves. Right. I don't know. I think I would have rather there have been some other evil that she was actually protecting the people from. Yeah. And that's why she had the curfew instead of just, I don't want you to come out, but if you do come out, I'm going to turn you into a werewolf. Yeah. I didn't like that part. But the idea that there's these mutants and they're leading this rebellion and they want to rebel, like, I felt like I would have loved, see, I felt like you're building up to this cool, like, multi-part story. And like, oh, this is only one chapter. Turn them into werewolves and wrap it up, okay? And then they go back and, and infest their camp with werewolf bites. I didn't like that part. Yeah, but I that felt like stupid. I can like fan fiction this and have like another series, like three or four parts of a really cool story in this setting. Right. I feel like the potential is there for, for greatness. It also kind of bothered me because, I mean, 
Unless you just ignore the mutant part and do something else and take out all the apocalypse part. The way this ends doesn't really leave a lot of opportunity for other stuff to happen in this part of Battle World going forward in the Secret Wars series. It's kind of a finite ending. Either that or everybody's a werewolf. And that's what right. this land becomes. The land of werewolves, which, meh. Stupid. Yeah. So anyway, I felt like it was a story that started off with cool potential and then went nowhere very quickly. And I didn't really care about the first story. So overall, I'm going to give Secret Wars Journal number one, two out of six claws. Ooh, you gave it more than me. <laughs> wow. Really? It only got one out of six. Okay. Wow. A little harsh. I was a little surprised. I thought from the preview, of course, the preview was only part of the first few pages of the first story. I thought it was going to be like Kate's story and she was going to write a journal. That's what this series is going to be. I didn't realize it was going to be another kind of like, um, not compilation. Um, what's that story called? The kind of book where there's different stories. It's a very common term in comics and I'm having a complete brain fart. I don't know. It's completely lost. I've lost it. But anyway... So we have two of these. I thought that was kind of weird because uh, Battle World, the Battle World series is also one of these. It's kind of different little half stories. And then now Journal is the same thing. I don't know if we really need to. But anyway, whatever. So real fast, going to talk about Inhumans, Attilin Rising, or Adelan, depending on how you say it. Number one, written by Charles Soule, pencils by John Timms, inked by Roberto Poggi or Poggi. Colors by Frank Diamarna, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, and the cover and then character designs are by Dave Johnson. On this cover, we have a very blocky like title, and then we have Medusa kind of standing with her hair going crazy. It's a pretty cool cover. Um, so we have a Wolverine character who's sitting in a bar on the last page. That's really the whole thing that he does. So very briefly, uh, we have a a rebellious squad of Inhumans called the the Voice Unheard, which in the context of Inhumans immediately made me think of Black Bolt. And they're running around and they're in uh, Greenland, the Hulk land. They're trying to spread this mist that makes the Hulks intelligent again so they can maybe think for themselves. Uh, There's a ghost rider that gets captured. He's an old 20s untouchable ghost rider. And he gets captured and Doom sends him to Medusa to figure out where the, so she can help squash the rebellion. And they get in his head, so they find out in the quiet room. Now, Adelan, or Antillian, is in Manhattan, part of Battleworld. And the quiet room apparently is this place, this neutral, where anybody can go from Battleworld. And that's like the one place you can cross the boundaries, I guess. And you're kind of a safe haven. Kind of reminded me of a cross between the Cantina and Star Wars, and like a swanky Depression-era, Prohibition-era nightclub. And so... Uh, Medusa sends her spy her ears on the ground and this person has a big like deer ears she can probably hear really well and pick up secrets and whispers and whatever and uh, Black Bolt is a bartender but um, hey he can talk so either this version of Black Bolt can talk and use his powers at whim or the quiet room is kind of shaped like his head and it has like a big his big pitchfork thing on the arch of the interior so maybe he can only talk inside the quiet room. That'd be interesting, right? So anyway, I thought this is a very solid book, solid art, solid story. Just wanted to mention it real quick. I would give Inhumans, Attilin, or Adelan Rising. I, I'm not even consistent how I say it, so I can't blame anybody else. But anyway, A Rising number one, I'm going to give a solid four out of six claws. 
nice setup. Very interesting in what's going to happen. So we'll go from there. Anyway, so that is our Secret Wars episode. All about Secret Wars. Nothing else. But that's going to do it. So I hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, leave an iTunes review if you want. Help spread the word about the show. Like the Facebook page. Email us snickcast at yahoo.com. Show notes and stuff, snickcast.podbean.com. Twitter is at snickcast. And uh, thanks again to Georgie for being our um, Secret Wars correspondent. That was pretty cool. And uh, we'll try to continue. Thanks again also to Dave for doing that last episode. We'll try to find some more of those, uh, do some more of that. So anyway, I don't know what will be next, but it will be more snicked. Uh, So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye.